With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They have won the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. Straight into the hands of the man on the mid-wicket boundary. Another one down. Hello and welcome to the first of Storylines Daily Ashes podcasts and happy test day because the women's ashes has begun. It started with a five day test match at Trent Bridge and I am just over the moon. My name's Melissa Story and Nikki Chowdhury is not here today. She's okay. Nothing's happened, I think, but she'll be back tomorrow for our breakdown of day two of the test but I'm delighted to say that producer Matt Griffiths and the analyst himself Simon Hughes is with us for this first podcast. Hi Melissa great to be here an absolutely fascinating first day's play of the test. I was gonna say you're jumping into the hot seat now you are Nikki so let's get straight into it of course the England team announced their team 24 hours in advance they kind of went for the for the baseball approach of we're setting our 11 this is it Do you like these early team announcements, Matt? No, I don't. For both the men's team and the women's team, they released the team a day before they needed to, which just gave Australia an extra day to think about the matchups. Whereas Australia waited until the toss. They had a look at the deck. They had a look at the conditions on the day on the ground. And they may have changed their team as late as that. And obviously England can only ever react and I think it goes against everything else that the both, you know, John Lewis and Brendan McCullum have brought to their teams in that they're trying to be proactive rather than reactive. But by announcing the team so early, they have to they have no time to react what the Australians do when they announce their team at the top. I think the biggest concern was obviously a couple of days out looking at this pitch at Trent Bridge. It was looking green. It was looking exactly what the men wanted for their test at Edgebaston. Everyone was going fantastic because, you know, key to a good women's test match is to have these fast pitches, you know, give the bowlers a bit of something. And we've got some brilliant bowlers on the show today who we'll go on to talk about in a second. But they were saying on, on commentary this morning that They've probably taken just a few too many centimetres off the grass. And already we've seen edges not carried to the slips and a few deliveries just die a bit. And, 
you think whether England had that that perspective at the toss of going actually not that they have another spinner in their squad because they chose to omit Charlie Dean and, and Sarah Glenn's potentially another option even though she's dominated the white ball arena before this you know it, it doesn't quite give that that flexibility I guess as you say and you know Baz ball and Trev ball which this is unpredictable but I don't know it's, it's something which I'm not too sure about I'm sure they've done all the you know analysis before 24 hours before the game but speaking of exciting you know selections Lauren Filer I mean she has been brilliant she got almost the wicket of Elise Perry on her first ball of the day which I think the pace of Filer took Perry by surprise and that inwards movement and then of course picking up the the later wicket of, of Mooney caught at gully and then dismissing Elise Perry on 99. That's one way to announce yourself into the test reader. Incredible debut and an incredible shout from you, Melissa. If the listeners go back and listen to the Ashes preview, we had a real in-depth conversation about Filer and you were saying that her pace might just surprise a few of the Aussie girls and it seems to have done that. She's picked up the two key wickets on a day when the extra pace, that the extra spice that, as you say, there's maybe not quite enough grass on the wicket. Lauren Bell, the more experienced quick bowler, has looked a little bit you know, almost it's almost like Anderson, Anderson and Broad from last week. You know, Anderson was the senior bowler. He's everyone expected Jimmy to roll in and tear through the Australians. He only picked up one wicket in the match, and so far, um, as we record this at six pm, Bell is wicketless, bowling a decent spell here to Sutherland. She's hit one up in the air, but it's safe. Great commentary. I mean, uh, I hope the BBC are listening to this because I mean, we'll, I will scout you after that. I will just say as well as you mentioned. The test match hasn't actually finished yet. It could go on till 7.30. We're recording now because I'm about to commentate on Gloucestershire Sussex. So we were thinking, oh yeah, we'll get it in early. And you know what? This is just how passionate we are. We want to be the first Ashes preview of the day. So we're doing that by recording it an hour early. That's right. As it stands, the score is 260. For six, Australia have been scoring at a decent clip. Other than Eccleston, England's bowlers have been expensive. Their seam bowlers have been expensive. And I was going to ask you, Melissa, you know, so with that slow turning pitch, how crucial is Sophie Eccleston for the rest of this game and how well has she bowled today? She's incredibly crucial. I mean, if you look at the warm-up games, I think it was 12 out of 17 of the Aussie wickets fell to spin, you know, and... She's such an important player to England across every single format. I'm just keeping an eye on how many overs she's bowling because you're looking at that left arm and going, oh my goodness. You know, it's the same with what's happened with Mo and Ali this week. You know, if players are not used to playing the longer format and suddenly on day one of a test when John Lewis and everyone were saying, no, don't worry, Trent Bridge is going to be suited to our to our seamers. There's a lot of overs of spin being bowled here. And, you know, I'm, I'm cautious. Of course, she's a brilliant bowler. That ball to dismiss McGrath was a thing of beauty. And I would love to call her up to the men's squad for Lords next week, to be quite honest with you. But, you know, it's I'm concerned. And I would like to be seeing a bit more from Heather Knight bowling, a bit more from Emma Lamb. Sophia Dunkley was bowling her leg spinners in the warm up. So I guess England do have options. It's tricky because spin always slows down the game. Eccleston's done a fantastic job of just almost plugging down that end and making sure that no runs have been scored. But when you have teams who are so used to playing T20s and ODIs, actually they're they're scoring at quite a decent click here because, you know, they're not going to be going out there and doing a quadra and facing 500 balls across the game because most players aren't typically used to that. So there is quick scoring, there is finding the gaps and most batters find seamers easier to, to hit. So 
someone the speed of a Kate Cross or, or a Lauren Bell almost are probably looking a bit more easy to hit. You know, Bell hasn't quite got that in-swing which we're so used to seeing, which is almost her point of difference. Yes, she's a tall bowler, but she doesn't actually take advantage of her height as much as a Lauren Filer. Lauren Filer almost has an excuse to be expensive here. She's gone for 54 runs at the moment as we're, we're watching off her 12 overs. But that's fine because she's playing that Izzy Wong. She's playing that Mark Wood role of go in there, bowl as quick as possible. And she's been going up to 74 miles per hour. That wicket of Elise Perry, 76 miles per hour. You know, she's got more of a licence to go for runs. But I think, you know, the likes of Cross and Bell you've got to be going, actually, you know, we've got to be finding these areas a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as you say, Filer is the strike bowler and the other seamers are going to have to try and stop leaking runs because otherwise Australia will take this game away from uh, away from England. I was going to say as well, it's been a, an interesting day for Australia because they seem to be well ahead of the game at 200 for three. Elise Perry once again tormenting England, looking absolutely Rolls-Royce, you know, just... She is so good. She seems. She, I always think when I watch Perry bat that she's just a cut above. She didn't seem, other than a little bit in that opening spell by Filer, she didn't seem flustered by any of the bowling. She was rotating the strike. She was stroking the boundaries. You know, Filer did eventually pick her up four ninety nine with an absolute beauty uh, caught by Natsava Brunt in the gully. What I want to contrast that with was Alyssa Healy on captaincy debut in an Ashes Test match. Apparently, that's the third time she's been dismissed for a duck in a row. Melissa, what, what do you think of all of that? I worry about the kind of pressure which which Healy is on. You know, despite that um, final against England, where of course she smashed that brilliant 150. If you look at her record against England, she does struggle. And then if you kind of look at how many times she's captained, I think she's only captained four times before this internationally. So it's a huge pressure to one step into Meg Lanning's shoes because she you know is one of the great captains of all time she's led this Australian team to so many victories but in an Ashes series in a test match in a format you're not familiar with you know she's moved herself down the order she said I'm not going to open I'm going to come in at six but her dismissal to Eccleston was poor you know she played all around it in fact she didn't look anywhere close to it so you know I I don't know whether this is going to be a concern for Australia. Healy's got a lot of fighting talk. She'll probably just say it's a bit of a blip. But, you know, I think this could be a weakness which England could exploit going forward of going, you know, we have a player who isn't used to this. Let's make the most of it. So another thing we wanted to talk about was some of the field set by England in this first day, of course. You know, Heather Knight said that even if they had won the toss, they would have chosen to bowl first, maybe just expecting that bit more carry and, and swing out there to begin with. There was a bit of rain around. It hasn't seemed to produce much swing as it passed over quite quick. But, you know, Simon, what do you make of the, the fields England had early on? Because there was a few which didn't carry to the slips. And, you know, are these the tactics England need to be employing, particularly as this pitch gets slower and slower? I think that generally, in women's cricket, and I, I know this is a generalisation, but I've watched women's cricket a lot for the last 10 or 11 years. Ever since my daughter started playing age about 10, you know, I've really watched a lot of women's cricket. And there is a general obsession, I think almost, with posting slips and gullies. Actually, gully is a good position. Gully is a position that you can catch bats, batters if they slice it or miscue it or even cut it. But slips are a position which really are there for the ball bouncing and moving quite significantly. And if you have slips for, you know, quick bowlers, it normally works pretty well. But if you have them for bowlers of sort of 70 miles an hour or less, it generally doesn't carry to the slip. If you play a, a miscue, if you push forward, Cambridge pitches often do get some carry, but this pitch didn't have any carry. It was going through very low to a range. She was catching it 
pretty much on her her toe, even when the, the bowler put in quite a lot of effort. And therefore... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think slips is a completely wasted position. And funnily enough, I was watching a, a women's game yesterday. A final. I mentioned it on on, on our analyst podcast. A final between the uh, Durham University girls and the Loughborough University girls for the British University's Cup. Even there, honestly, the, the, having fielders on catching positions at short extra and short mid-wicket does two things. Firstly, it stops a batter from playing drive uh, as, consequ- as consistently. And secondly, you can push your mid-wicket and mid-on and mid-off and extra cover fielders a bit deeper as well because those two catching positions at short extra and short mid-wicket serve not only as aggressive catching positions, but also stopping a single as well. And you can push your normal single fielders, single saving fielders, a bit deeper. So it gives you cover for a more aggressive shot. Slips, I think, are just a wasted position. Seeing Heather Knight posting three slips and a gully for virtually the first hour of play, Australia to get to, what, 100 for two or something at the first session, those runs could have been saved with a more imaginative, more innovative field setting. The only one I would... Uh, sort of excuse from that would be Lauren Lauren Filer, who, you know, with a bit of extra pace and bounce, she might get a catch at slip. But I think the other bowlers just aren't quick enough. So have them on the drive instead. Yeah, I think I'd say Gully, as you say, is is key, particularly off Filer and Bell, because they can get that bit of extra bounce. And, you know, maybe in that first hour, having a first slip in, but I think second and third, you know, it, it's going to be really hard for, or even, you know, first slips are a bit further back. Just have one conventional slip in, one kind of gully, and then make the most of those two extra fielders you've got. As you say, put in a close catcher, because so many games which I've played at a club level and a county level the experienced kind of player who's we always say is the veteran but she's probably about 26 stands so close to you on the offside just staring you right in the eye and it's the most intimidating thing ever because you just can't get anything past you're bogged down and suddenly you know a Kate crossover which where she's been pumped through the covers you know two three times and actually that fielder may have stopped a few of those and then you've got the pressure then you've got the squeeze on the Australian batters and yeah, I, I think it's always a difficult one because, you know, these women aren't playing enough multi-day formats to think about these fields more. And there is almost this default to go, oh, that's what they did in the men's game. We'll just do that because that's going to work as well. But, you know, it's, it's a different game as it is with T20s that women have put their completely individual mark on the T20 game and you know a lot of the reason these paddles and reverse sweeps came into the game was from the women's because they had to manipulate the gaps in the field and push for those twos and threes so you know 
put your own stamp on this game. And we've seen the success of Ben Stokes with the Brumbrella field and that dismissal of Kawaja, you know. Just change things. Put a fielder in their eye line. Make them think something different. Because Elise Perry, you know, she averages in the 70s against England and she's got to 99 again today. She had a few early chances. She looks invincible, but she's not invincible. So, you know, hopefully when England get a chance to, to bowl at them in that third innings, then they may have introduced some more original fields. Do you think, yeah. though, in the end, Heather Knight was vindicated in her field for Filer, keeping that one slip and the one gully as Filer's pace was above, you know, touching 74, 75? I mean, Ollie Robinson was bowling that quick. For Filer and just Filer, one slip and a gully stays the whole time and you use her as that strike bowler, a four-over burst at high pace. You know, Ollie Robinson doesn't necessarily deserve a slip either, by the way. You know, he's bowling at 78, 79 miles an hour. I don't know if anyone has seen uh, some quite interesting social media and comment today from Ricky Ponting and Matthew Hayden calling him a, an irrelevant cricketer or something, some word like that. Uh, but the point is, he, he can't really come at the, the Aussies and sledge them if he's bowling what they call 124 kilometres an hour, which is, you know, mid-70s mile an hour. And he's not going to get too many edges carrying the slip bowling like that on. And Stokes saw that. Gully is a, is a really important position. Kate Cross took a good catch there off her. The ball slips off the face uh, of a slightly quicker bowler and goes in the air. And so, yeah, definitely a, a more uh, sort of logical position is Gully. I'm still dubious about slip. I mean, I've just seen here as well, just because, you know, let's go jump back on the Lauren Filer praise train. Her first two wickets of her international career, Beth Mooney, Elise Perry. Filer is the first England bowler to dismiss both Mooney and Perry in the same innings in international cricket. So, you know, it, it was a a fun decision for, for them to select Filer and get her in. I think it went back to what we spoke about in that preview show we did that I said, you know, I personally hope they would choose Filer and Bell because, you know, it's a five-day test and I don't think England could fight for a draw, to be quite frank with you. It's five days we should get a result with not much bad weather on the horizon. You know, I wanted them to choose a team who could win rather than being selected as players who wouldn't lose, you know, who could fight out for that draw. By choosing two taller bowlers, you know, they've gone for something a bit different. And, you know, Filer's already proving to pay off in that regard. I think she's the kind of bowler as well who can probably do quite a good job at cleaning up the tail. Once you've got past Ash Gardner and Annabelle Sutherland, then the rest of the players for Australia haven't really suggested to, to pose much of a, a threat with the bat. You know, you've got Alana King, Kim Garth, Darcy Brown. I'm not sure, you know, as was it, who was it? England saying Australian men's had three number 11s. I'm pretty sure that England women could, England may just be saying in their head as well, actually Australia, three number 11s. Let's get through them quickly. I noticed your co-presenter, Nikki Chowdhury, hosted today, uh, you know, it's been mooted that in women's cricket to shorten the pitch to 20 yards to increase the pace of bowlers. I heard some other people talking about that. In fact, Paul Grayson, the former Yorkshire and Essex player uh, who's now coach of the Durham University girls team that I was with yesterday. He was another one who said, well, maybe you know you could shorten the pitch for women's cricket to 20 yards. I'd love to know your view on that, Melissa, but I would just throw in one kind of caveat to that. And that is that the trouble is, if you want to play on the best pitches, on the best grounds, which is your right, it might be hard to do that, because to, to shorten the pitch, because it will mess up pitches uh, because you'll be running down further down the pitch and uh, it will then mess up what would be a men's pitch for 22 yards because you'll get you know, a lot of scuff marks actually on the pitch itself for a men's game. 
So I don't know how that uh, will necessarily be reconciled. Same thoughts, essentially. You know, I would like to see the women playing at these venues. There's over 80,000 tickets sold. They're proving that, you know, they can sell out Edge Baston and, you know, sell out over or whatever and there's been a fantastic attendance for just this first day of the test itself so for me I don't think the solution is shortening pitches I just think it would create havoc across from the international to the domestic level but if there was any kind of incentive for me it would actually be a a smaller lighter ball you know that's been something which is proposed as well of saying you know first as I mentioned earlier we've got to have faster pitches you know so we're getting this good carry and there's a bit of something in it for the fast bowlers but if you want to try something new you know I, I, I bowl sometimes with a youth ball where you know the club bag there's a mixture of balls about and it comes out my hands so fast and I feel so good about myself afterwards and then go back to using a men's ball on a Saturday and it trundles out but you know I think if we're going to talk innovation maybe just changing changing the ball size or, or, or weight might be good I'll get us on to a listener question just before we round off. And of course, a reminder for anyone listening, you can get in touch at Storylines Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Send us in your questions and queries from each day's play. We've got one here from the, the Cricket County House saying our opinions on the point system. Whilst they agree that the test match should be the most heavy in terms of the win for the test match is four points. If Australia win the test match and there are no ties, England will need to win five of the following six matches to regain the Ashes. And that just seems far too much for me, especially for the first game of the series. So is that, you know, is that a question of do we think the test match should be first or do we think there's too many points attributed to the test match? What what do you think, Matt? It depends where you see what the pinnacle of cricket is. For me, test cricket is the ultimate test in that the best team will win. It has suitable time to see whoever plays the better cricket over the five days will win the game. There's a high chance that that will be the best team. The shorter the format, the more luck can come into it. In a T20, two batters can win the game for a side. One or two bowlers having disastrous overs can lose the game. In a test match, there is so much time to quote unquote, recover, to take a wicket. You have to build pressure. You have to bowl well. You have to take those catches when you earn them. And if you're from the batting perspective... You have to build your innings and then really, if you get on top and get the better of the conditions, punish the opposition and make big runs. So I see that the test match should have the most impact. If you think about it simply in terms of overs, they're going to play 590 over days, three of the T20s, 100, you know, 120 overs maximum, two points each for the T20s. But for, you know, under a tenth of the total scheduled overs of the test match and yet half the points. So I believe that the test is rightfully given more weight if anything i'd actually quite like to see maybe just an extra point for the odis i don't even necessarily think the t20s and the odi should be both two points because i think i love the odi format and you know maybe just a three more points for that one because if we're going relative for you know time dedicated to it to patience how many overs are being played I think there should be a bit more in it for the ODI. So things are poised very nicely at the the, the partial end today one. As I said, we're cheating. Uh, things are still going on, but let's just hope, or let's hope that Eccleston suddenly takes a hat-trick before the end of the day's play. If she does, we'll bring you analysis of that in tomorrow's daily podcast. But for now, thank you for listening. As- as always you can get in touch at storylines pod on instagram or twitter send us your questions send us your funny observations from the test match and we'll be back with you tomorrow sports social podcast network